the message. And uh, today we're going to have a message shared by Seamus. So we're so excited to have Seamus being uh, sharing with us. Thank you for uh, unmuting yourself there, Seamus. I'm just going to say a prayer for you quickly, and uh, then we'll uh, we'll hear your message. Lord, thank you for Seamus. Thank you for what he brings and his heart for you and his heart for your presence. And uh, thank you for uh, what he represents in our church. And, and I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to take in what he has for us today. Help us to hear your word, um, open our hearts to him, and to open our hearts to your message, your words in particular through him. And uh, yeah, just bless him as he speaks. Amen. Okay, Seamus, just give me a second here. I'm gonna put your video on the spotlight and um, and then uh, go for it. Okay, I think you're ready to go. Take it away, Seamus. Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, so welcome to Maplecrest. I know I'm not the only one to say that. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming. Um, so I was uh, on a run with the First of all, uh, Am I heard? Can you guys hear me? Okay, I've checked this already, but I just want to be sure. <clears throat> okay, no one said, oh, okay, great. It distorted? Okay. Um, well, if it gets really bad, someone let me know. Um, anyway, um, so I was, I was on a, a run on Thursday um, with a friend and um, we we did a short run, haven't ran for a while, still a little bit out of shape, but um, uh, we were talking and we have these really, really long talks about uh, theology and stuff. And he's, he's an Anglican himself and, you know, I'm, I'm a charismatic, so it, it's quite interesting what we talk about, but um, <clears throat> uh, we, we came upon this, uh, the topic of shame and, um, I, I think we kind of diverged on, on this topic of, of um, shame being something that, that's rational and, and makes sense and has a purpose, which um, I thought about a little bit. And, you know, he had a really good argument of uh, what shame, um, how shame works and how it interacts with us and what it tells us. Um, now, my uh, gut reaction was, um, was no shame is shame is uh, something that's um, it's not okay it's not natural um, which I still stand on but um, there's I think we we ended up approaching it as, as this uh, this note of grace um, and and grace being such a overarching presence in that um, so Father I I just want to thank you for uh, what you're doing, uh, what you're speaking. God, I want to thank you for your presence. Um, I want to thank you for your heart for us. I want to thank you for your grace. And I just want to thank you for your mercy. That's a big one. Your mercy, Father. God, I, I pray for darkness that's uh, in our city these days during this pandemic. I want to pray for darkness that's in our hearts, Father. Any darkness that anyone brings, Father, I just I just call upon the blood of Jesus to cover that and just be all around it, Father, for you light up dark places. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to jump around scripture a little bit. Um, and, 
and um, yeah. So anyway, we're going to be uh, essentially centering on Ephesians 2. So if you have your Bible with you, you can uh, jump to Ephesians 2, but I'm going to jump around a few other verses here. Um, the first one I want to touch on is actually Genesis 1. Um, and I'm going to say we're starting right in the beginning, um, but you don't have to follow along. I'm just going to touch on this. So everyone knows the creation story, Genesis 1. Uh, 1, 1. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Um, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. So, um, if you understand, like, if you're, you're walking down the street, if you're at work or at school or wherever you go, every single person you see has um, light or darkness in them. And they're all, the point I want to make is they're all um, of the same flesh as us. They walk in the same, uh, the same earth that we came from, the same dust. And what God's saying is, is that he created every single one of us. And even before in Genesis, even before he talks about the creation of man, talks about in um <clears throat> how he created the earth and he created the world um just like he created us he said let there be light and he separated light from darkness and that's representative of what he creates in us what's in our heart i'm going to jump over to uh john 1 5 here um which is actually i find it very interesting how um uh in john 1 uh it kind of talks about us being the light, like the light of men. And um, says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And who is the word? Jesus. He was beginning. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being by him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. I'm reading from the NASB, if anyone's curious. Um, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, um, I think this this passage here, John 1, verse 1 to 5, says a few different things. It says that um, Jesus is an all-encompassing person. He, he was there in the beginning. He's always been there, all the way through the Old Testament, and up until when he actually came into the flesh, and was uh, became among us, actually present in the flesh. Um, another thing it says is that um, there's light and there's darkness. And the two things are separate. As we read in Genesis, they're separate. They're two different things. And um, it says also that we are the light. So, um, and he's speaking of believers, is the light of men. Like we have Jesus inside of us, shining out of us. But the light of men is is this um, is this uh, incarnation of Jesus within us that shines. So the the darkness in the world is actually countered by what we carry inside of us. Um, and if I'll just go back to verse five, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or overcome it. In other words, um, which is uh i think to me that says that you know we're um you know when you you walk into a dark room and it's really dark and you can't see anything what you do you flip on a light switch 
and it, it just fills up that darkness. That darkness just disappears. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, 4, verse 6 and 7. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have treasure in earthen vessels, the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. So kind of going back to those two verses is that, um, I guess that kind of solidifies what I said is that we have, you know, Jesus, once we know Jesus and we have the light inside of us, it is what shines in the darkness. We're the ones who shine in the darkness. So in saying that, I, I don't think, you know, I think there's um, <clears throat> a lot of fear um, associated with darkness and, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to go near that. That's, that's scary. We don't want to, um, we don't want to go outside. We, we don't want to uh, uh, see these people or, or we don't want to um, be in this situation. But rather, actually, I think God calls us. He says, you know, we, we shine in the darkness. We are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Saying that, you know, we, we're, we're like a wick. We're like a candle. And he actually designed us to, to shine in that way. Um, and it's actually really uh, funny because, you know, you think darkness is such a terrible thing, but actually, uh, God actually is the one who shines and he's, he's the one who, um, who actually brings, uh, the light to the darkness. Um, so that's why sometimes you read in verses like Habakkuk, um, I'm going to go to Habakkuk, uh, three, uh, verse three, um, sorry, three, verse four, his radiance is like the sunlight. So God is light. His radiance is like the sunlight. His rays are flashing from his hand. And there is the hiding of his power. The hiding of his power. Before him goes pestilence and plague comes after him. So, and we, we see verses like this all of the Bible. And you think, well, you know, why would God bring that? But no, it's actually God traveling in that. He's actually, he's actually amidst that. So whatever, and really, you know, you think of, the situation our country is in right now and our world's in right now of, of being in such a, a darkness of COVID, pushing us um, more, we're choosing to go into darkness because we're staying in our homes, we're choosing to um, be in this place of, uh, well, even, I don't want to say that, uh, you know, depression is a choice um, because a lot of people suffer from it, but um, it's it's a place of, um, a place that, that we never really wanted to go into, but we we've been pushed into um, by something that that's out of our control in, in one way or another. Um, but yeah, you know, you think of it, you think of we're we're on Zoom right now. We're we're not face to face, which something I've struggled with quite a bit is not being able to actually be, you know, in church and be face to face and and you know, being able to shake hands with people and hug people. <clears throat> um, but the truth is, is you know, I. I, there's been a lot of prophecy about about us going to the secret place, and you know, this morning a prophecy about fire and, and the presence of God, and and all these things are are really something that we don't have to have. Like it's no matter what, it's it's whether we're in COVID or we're not in COVID, we're locked in our houses. Like we always have access to God in the midst of darkness in our world. And the cool thing is that's where He shines. Um, and, you know, I don't know, um, maybe a few of you have people, you know, who've, um, gotten COVID, 
um, the people you know who've um, been in contact with it, and it's a really scary thing. But the truth is, is God's presence is is always constant. It's always there. It's always um, it's always amidst, like you think of it, amidst the darkness. So that's why you know a lot of people see um, a threat. People see COVID as a threat, and people are afraid of it. And they, you know, you watch the news and you see how how absolutely um, crazy people are going because their fear is just through the roof. And you know, I truly, I, I truly have a heart for those people because you know, there's um, there's a lot a lot of things that we can like there's a perspective that we can have um and that perspective is whether we put our eyes on god or we put our eyes on the fear um and sometimes putting our eyes on god is um actually plunging yourself into darkness but the cool thing is amidst the darkness inside of that darkness god exists he is there um anyway so i think uh what i want to touch on is the topic of grace and grace could go in any direction grace is such a manifold sort of um power that that god god hands out very freely very very freely um and a few things about grace is you know grace is it's for the sinner it's for someone who's never experienced god who doesn't know god we all know that is there's there's um there's a lot that grace can do to help people Um, discover Christ and discover who they are, get saved and set free. But it's also, and I think we forget this quite often, is that grace is also for us. It's also for the ones who know Jesus, who've you know spent years and years with Jesus, the ones who, who um, have accolades, so to speak, who who sort of think that you know they have it all together. Is we still need grace. Grace is such a necessity. Um, it's also for uh, calamity and fallout. So when I, okay, so I'm going to back up a bit. Calamity, um, I'm kind of using a little more loosely here. Um, COVID's a calamity. Um, abuse is a calamity. Accidents are calamities. Anything, think of anything bad that happens. But specifically, I'm going to focus on something that causes trauma. So whenever I say calamity, think of something that, carries on in the form of trauma so grace is for calamity and the trauma that re- that um, comes out of it so the fallout so maybe that's you know maybe that's one's own sin maybe you've sinned and you feel guilty you feel shame it's for that um maybe someone's hurt you same thing you know there's a fallout to that there's trauma there's there's a wound that's inflicted um, or for maybe any sort of accident or life event that has caused any sort of pain or trauma or, or PTSD or anything of that sort. Um, another thing that it's for is, um, actually it is a better authority than the law. So it says that we're not under law anymore. We're actually under grace, which means that we don't follow by a set of rules anymore. We actually follow by the heart of God and what God speaks to us. And, that doesn't always, that's not always uniform, should I say. It's not always something that we, um, it's not like we're following by this list. We're not, we're not doing something that's easily written down, but rather we're, we're moving out of the heart of God and God is inside of our hearts. 
so we just work out of that and that is the truth is that it's not about being rigid it's not about being legalistic but rather abiding in god and following god another thing about grace is it's always sufficient it's never lacking like you think there's something you can do that that god can't heal it's not true it's always sufficient it's always there always 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 very abundant um and i touched on this earlier we're in constant reliance on grace we need grace so much all the time so i'm gonna get so if you have your bible with you you can turn to ephesians 2 um and ephesians is uh sort of the first half of ephesians kind of talks about um paul's relationship with the ephesians and talks a little bit about kind of an or elaborates a little bit on the gospel of salvation so um you know if being a saved person you think well you know i, I mean the gospel is already something i know already something i embrace and, and trust and believe um which is true but you got to think about it too is the gospel is for everybody if it wasn't for you well then we wouldn't be reading it um so, yeah. So Ephesians 2. Um, I'm going to start on, let's see. Let's start on verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Think about that. Alive together with Christ. By grace that you have been saved. And you're raised up with him and seated seated us with him in the heavenly places uh, with Christ Jesus. In order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that one, no one should boast, but um, uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So um, going back um, from verse six, I'd say, um, so there's kind of this correlation between the grace of God. We're seated with Christ. We're together with Christ in order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. Um, and then it goes on to say, for we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's this uh, correlation between grace and then being this workmanship, being this created, um, being this created tool of God. Now, I, tool is a bad word. I, I understand that. But being this sort of vessel of God, that's actually a better word. Being this vessel of God and seeing that. Um, you know, we we don't do the works to get salvation, but when God does a work in us, it is so that we might be used by him. And that's not of our own power, that's not of our own energy or strength, but rather it's by grace. By grace that God prepares us for good works. <clears throat> Therefore, remember that formerly you were the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands. <clears throat> uh, 
Remember that you are at one time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who have formal you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. For he himself is our peace. And I'm taking that super seriously. For he himself is our peace. I simply I don't believe that there's any peace apart from God. You know, I'm not saying that somebody from a country who who it doesn't come from a Christian country at all, does not know Jesus, cannot have peace. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that Jesus is the peace. He is our peace. You see, any peace in the world, it's Jesus. Any true peace in the world, it is Jesus there, living there. So, and that's not to say that, you know, we're we're in the church and we're the only one, the only one to experience peace. It's peace is, is um, it's like universal. It's, it's everywhere. It's, or it's not everywhere, but it's, it's um, it isn't exclusive to a certain group of people. Um, so Jesus is our peace. And I think that's, that's worth noting because, because, you know, sometimes it's easy to, to make our own peace, to make our own sort of um, uh, solutions to our problems. So for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the, uh, the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing his flesh the enmity which is the law of commandment contained contained in ordin ordinances that in himself he might make two into one new man thus establishing peace so understanding that you know we've been saved by grace not by our own works by grace we've been brought close to Christ we've been brought there's nothing separating us from Christ and that means that also means that there's nothing separating us from peace um God never said that you know we're we're gonna be just good we're gonna be fine we're gonna have calamity we're gonna have pandemics we're gonna have murder and hatred we're gonna have destruction but we have Christ and that's that's actually so much more important and what that would translate to is we have peace you know the truth is we have peace so grace's function is to bring us back into trust and to reconcile to him it says in verse 16 uh and we might reconcile them both in one body to god through the cross by having it put to death the enmity um so we reconcile to christ we, we um get this new trust fund um and i think that's that's something that's so important is, you know, we can't be intimate with God without this trust, without um, intimacy. We cannot have this trust. Sorry, without this trust, we can't have intimacy. And grace's function is that in that it's so important is to bring us back into trust. We have to have the grace of God. We have to um, have grace for ourselves, have grace for others, just like God has had grace for us. Um, grace is kind of like, you know, I really thought of this. <laughs> this is probably uh, the best analogy I've yet, but we have this um, insurance plan, this free life insurance plan in Christ Jesus, so that if we ever fall short, if there anything ever happens, whether it's our own sin or other sin or any sort of calamity, Jesus Christ paid the price to insure us against any sort of 
um, any sort of lack of peace or any sort of um, trauma. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, all of a sudden you become a Christian, you don't have trauma. Trauma is something that, you know, God wants to heal and help us with. But what is really important, what God really cares about is that we have him and we have peace. Another thing about grace is it leads us to the Holy of Holies, the intimate place with God. Um, so what's also important is I mentioned before that, you know, we, in order to seek out God, in order to be close to him, we have to trust him. We have to have um, this atmosphere of trust. And once we trust him, we're actually able to go forward into the holy place. And that could be with communion with the church, with um, Christian friends. But I think what's also really important is other than coming to church and you know, worshiping God with, with your friends and, and just being present and having coffee, I think what's so important is it's an everyday pursuit. And especially in the pandemic, you can't always have Christian brothers and sisters with you. So I think what's super important is actually seeking God on your own, seeking God in the secret place and trusting him in the secret place. Um, it's an everyday pursuit of his presence. We, we must always, always, always um, be going after the better things of God, always embracing Jesus. And that could look different for a lot of people. Like it looks different from me as it looked different from um, everyone, everyone in our, our community. But I think what's really important is actually seeking God um, in the secret place. Um, another um, sort of work of grace is that we have to we have to bring something out of the way. Like we have to we have to um, we have to let go of some things in order to allow God's. Um, I don't want to say allow God's grace, but um, God's grace is something that that we have to receive it's something that we have to we have to take in and i think it's a very habitual thing for me i guess and, and for i i mean for anybody is um our striving um religion tells us that we have to strive to do god's work we have to strive to to um be right with god but actually that's that's backwards um what we're called into is not to work for our own well-being, but rather just trust God. You know, it says trust God all over the Bible. It says that, you know, we, we don't have to worry, but rather just trust God and trust that he has everything in order. So a little bit about grace. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, a gentleman named Dr. Gabor Matei. Um, he's a, a physician. But he's also um, in a, uh, <clears throat> an expert in um, trauma and addiction. And he um, has spoken all over the place. Um, but he once did this interview with, um, uh, with Joe Polish on the Genius Network annual, annual event, which is sort of a mental health, um, it was a mental health-based interview um, about addiction, trauma, and depression. Um, and he talks to this, uh, he talks to Joe Polish. And um, one thing that's actually really stuck out to me is that as humans, we have uh, two reactions. We have fi uh, fight or flight. Now, those are very natural reactions, as we know. 
Um, you know, if you're under threat, you can either take on what you're facing or you can run away. Um, and those are two very natural reactions. But um, Gabor Mate actually proposes a third reaction, and that is to depress. So if we're in a situation where we have um, we have no escape, we have no way to fight back, um, we there's only one other thing to do, and that's actually to numb ourselves and to find a way to soothe ourselves and push away those feelings, push away that threat. Um, to distract or to minimize or to bottle up, bottle up our emotions. And I would say that's a very irrational reaction. Now it's sometimes for, especially for, for young children who are in a position where they can't escape um, or they can't fight back. That's something that a lot of them end up falling into is this, this place of depressing their feelings. Um, and you wonder why, you know, so many people have addictions nowadays. So many people are, are, um, well, it's been all throughout history, but you think about it. How many people that I'm talking to right now don't have an addiction? Now, I can't see any of you, but uh, I'm sure a good 75% of you have some sort of addiction. And I'm not just talking about drugs. I'm not just talking about um, any sort of abuse or anything. I'm talking about little things. Maybe that's um, work. You're a workaholic. Maybe you're addicted to food or some sort of food. Maybe you're addicted to your your cell phone. Maybe you're addicted to um, addicted to a certain person. Maybe maybe an abusive relationship. Um, any sort of addiction can be small or big, <clears throat> but I bet you 75% of you have some sort of addiction, whether that's serious or not so serious. Maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it's smoking. You know, I'm, I know a lot of smokers. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so anyway, so the whole um, correlation between um, this sort of bottling up, this sort of action of numbing and distracting is uh, produce, produces addiction. And I'm not saying it always does, but um, addiction is something that you go to because it kind of smooths over the issue. It smooths over the problem and gives you peace and rest. Um, maybe peace in a certain sense um not necessarily a good kind of peace though sometimes it's just a facade of peace or it's a something that just calms you down it gives you a soother um gabor, gabor mate says that the first trauma was the loss of protection and connection and safety in the world um so it's not actually um what had happened that caused the trauma now you know what happens like life events cause trauma but what he presents is that it's not the actual thing itself it's actually the lack of protection connection and safety in the world when we don't have someone to go to to talk to when we don't have a connection when, when we don't have a meaningful relationship that's in trust then trauma is bolstered on so <clears throat> moving away from gabor mate um uh, Jesus, if you look at Jesus and when he was with his disciples um, and he approached the blind man, uh, blind from birth, you see um, that he doesn't actually make excuses for this blind man. It says, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
So he doesn't make an excuse. He doesn't say, why is person A like this? And why is person B like this? And how is it caused? And how can we take this apart? He doesn't look at that. He, he looks at the problem and he has the knowledge. He has that word of knowledge. It's a spiritual gift. He has the word of knowledge to know the need of that traumatized, the need of that traumatized person. Um, <clears throat> and the need turns out to be the presence of God. Why I know is because Jesus is the incarnate presence of God. He was the original temple of God that came to that man, and that led to his healing. This man was was healed, and um, God sent Jesus for this purpose. He's, you know, he sent he sent a part of Himself in the flesh so that He could dwell among us. And if God's presence didn't matter, whether that be in Jesus or in us, He never would have done so. God, God is a presence-oriented person. He knows that our greatest need is His presence, and you know all the other things. We can believe in healing. We can believe in in um, physical healing, um, spiritual healing, mental healing, and that has a place. And don't get me wrong, I I think that we should, as Christians, we should be going after that. But the very first thing that's so important is the presence of God, intimacy with God. Because when that bad thing happens, when that trauma happens, who are we going to go to? Who's going to love us? And sometimes that's not a lot of people in our lives, or maybe the people in our lives don't necessarily know how to handle the situation or, or how to love in calamity or trauma. <clears throat> so, yeah, both, both Gabor Mate. Now, Gabor Mate, he's, he's um, not a Christian as far as I know. <clears throat> but but I, I really stand with a lot of things he says um, regarding um, healing through through being with people and having someone to go to and having being loved. I think being loved is is a very important thing. Um, <clears throat> where should I go? You know I. I talk a lot about um, the presence of God, and and, um, and that's somewhere that I've I've come a lot from. Is every every stage in my life, um, God has always always been there, and whether I've recognized it or not. Um, and even as a young lad, I I remember somehow I, I remember I, I just know that that God was there in the dark times and in the good times when I was a young lad. You know, um, yeah, I, I somehow I remember. But every season in my life, or at least every season in my life that I've, I've um, actually seeked after the Lord, I've always been led back to His presence. Um, when I was um, nine years old, my parents had separated. I had ended up um, falling, in, falling into um, a lot of depression and a lot of, um, a lot of loneliness and a lot of fear. And I was already a very anxious kid at that time, but the whole ordeal of having a parent that's uh, moving away and, and you know, seeing, seeing things happen in my life that were contrary to what I believed growing up, 
um, caused a lot of hurt in me and a lot of loneliness, a lot of confusion and cluelessness. And um, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home, but I didn't necessarily, um, or at least I lost, I lost that that sort of trust in God because all of a sudden, what I was taught as a kid kind of fell apart, and I didn't exactly know what I needed at that point. And I was so far off that I, I actually started thinking of, of, you know, how could I, how could I end this all? How could I get out of this? And I was trapped. I was trapped in my own mind. I was trapped in my own heart. Um, and I, I was missing the fact that, that God is our true companion. He's our, our companion that actually doesn't fail us at all. And um, he's the ultimate source of intimacy whether that be with other believers or directly with him. So how I got, I guess I could say I got saved, um, but I did go to the church and I did grow up in a Christian family throughout my whole childhood. But up until when I was 12, I didn't actually know God in my heart. I might have kind of knew him in my heart, but I didn't actually have the full revelation that God had planned for me. Um, and after my whole life kind of fell apart there, God knew that that was the opportunity to stay and show me that his love was true for me, that in the darkness I was experiencing, that he could shine the brightest. He could shine in my life before that. He could have showed me how much he loved me before that. But see, the funny thing is, you know, I I was so wrapped up in what I I believed about my family, what I believed about life, and life was good, you know, it's is fine. And once calamity came, I, I just realized how, how much of a vacuum I had inside of me. And that's when God came and showed me that that vacuum can only be filled by him. Um, so what I'll summarize, he essentially took me, he took all my pain, all my hurt, everything that I believed about myself and I believed about him, and he just covered it with his love. And that is grace. That is grace is when God just covers things. He doesn't necessarily take it right away. Um, he does for some people. But for me, it was he just covered it. He just covered it in his love. And some immediate transformation happened in my life. I Basically, I just gave my whole life to him. And, and I everything I thought was filled with him for a good while after that. And there's times where I just spent hours little 10 year old me just spending hours and hours just in his presence just absolutely infatuated with him um and what what had happened was i had a renewal of mind i my heart was changed because there was something that that was so much different that difference wasn't that the trauma or the calamity necessarily had been uh, absolutely done away with but is that his presence was so much greater than that and his his glory was just so much better than that. Um, so I'll summarize with this is, you know, in this world we'll have trouble, and this world is very dark, especially with COVID. But the truth is, is that Jesus's light is like actually inside of us, and that means that we'll actually, actually at times we'll be even closer to the darkness. We'll be in even darker times. We'll be persecuted, we'll be hurt, we'll be judged, we'll be hated upon, we'll be um, pressed into doing things that we don't want to do or tempted, I mean. But the actual glory in that is that Jesus is inside of us and 
And he wants to come outside of us. He wants to shine outside of us, being the light of the world. And that is only done with unity with him. And when we come into unity with him, it's like he's like the candle. He's like a lighter. And he comes to us being this really worn out, melted, really dirty candle. I, I don't know why my candle will be dirty. I put some stuff in it earlier. And Jesus comes in and lights up. And he comes really close in the secret place. And as you go out into the world, you shine so as bright as he does. And then they see Jesus inside of us. So, Father, I, I thank you for um, your grace. I thank you that trauma doesn't have power over us, that calamity has no power over us, that we'll, we are, Father, is made in the image of you, and you're redeeming us day by day. So, God, I, I just pray for a renewal of mind, Father, as we submit to you in Romans 12. It says that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice made holy to you. And that well, the renewal of mind, Father, that's a promise that our minds will be renewed. And that you've broken down the wall of enmity. That we no longer have to strive. We no longer have to run by the law. We don't have to do things to get to you, but rather you're right there waiting for us. That you're the grace that is waiting for us. Just to come to you in the secret place every day, Father. Every day. So, Father, I just pray for the anointing. I pray for a spirit of peace over us. Father, any, any anxiety, any trauma that we come with, Father, I just pray for a new a new revelation of your love. A new revelation. You just cover it with your love, Father. Any shame, I speak against shame, um, and I say that has no place, has no place in, in the renewed mind. I just plead the blood of Christ over any shame that any of us are bringing. That shame cannot bring any fruit in our lives, but rather your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.